You're listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. On today's show, we talk with Sunil Ranka, who is the founder of Predictly, a data innovations company which thrives on solving any platform application and data-related problem. He's also a venture partner at Z Nation Lab, where he has invested in 17 startups, and he is a feature writer for Forbes Technology Council. We talk about how robotic process automation is being used in industry today, will robots take our jobs, and what we can expect in the coming years, and how does artificial intelligence play a part with robotic process automation, and much, much more. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Podcast with your host, Sean Flynn, who interviews famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and leaders in tech. Learn their secrets and see tomorrow's world today. To give the listeners a little bit of a background, could you talk about your journey in tech from the beginning to becoming an investor and now the CEO of Predictly? Oh, yeah, Sean. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about this. It's been a fascinating journey. Last 18 years, I've been in the tech industry, especially in Silicon Valley. I'm an immigrant, came from India in the year 2000. I've started my journey as a Java J2E development, spent five years with Oracle. Spent five years with them, built two products, and got a patent done. Then I left my Oracle and joined a very early stage company. We were like three people company, and we grew the company from 30, uh, three people to 35 people. Company got acquired, and that's when I tested the first success of, yes, this makes sense, you know, that, and that's what the Silicon Valley is all about. You just put your hard work and your thoughts, and then there are people who are going to appreciate your efforts. Post that, went back to Cisco, spent six years uh, as a consultant, uh, did a lot of data engineering and data services work for the business group, which were ranging from a $2 billion in revenue up to like a $10 billion in revenue. And then during that time, I became an Oracle ace. So there were only 19 people in the world at that point in time. And this is a title given by Oracle company to certain individuals for their product and technology thought leadership. Post that, went and joined a company called FCS, which got acquired by TEK system, which was about $10 billion in revenue. And I was part of their analytics division. And that's where I you know, had an opportunity to you know, build a big data practice. Post that, I joined a company called Altiscale, which was in a startup, got acquired by SAP. Then I started my own company called Analitos, which got acquired by a company in Texas. I took a break, then became a part of this venture arm called Z Nation Lab. Z Nation Lab is an accelerator. They were raising funds. I put money into their initial fund and they said, hey, you know what, why don't you come as part of the core team as a venture partner? Then they said, okay, why don't you just come together as a core team? And that's how I invested back into Z Nation Lab. So right now what we have done is about 31 investments. 11 of them are Y Combinator. So I, I do get invited to Y Combinator every year. And while I was doing all this thing, I wanted to build a company of my own one more time. This was two individuals, very bright individuals who were helping one of the portfolio company named uh, Sunil Borke and uh, Sachin Nirvane. Uh, they were founders of this company called Nebo Technologies. So we uh, merged hand together and now it's called Predictly. We had a, a great journey. It's about a year old company. We started with about a handful of people and right now we are about uh, 80 people on board. And we focus on RPA and AI. We just continue to grow as a company. You said RPA? Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, it's been in, very interesting. And, you know, I would... I would say that I've been one of those lucky ones who always been uh, part of a bleeding age. So there's a whole concept called leading age or bleeding age technologies. 
I was early on part of the cycle where, you know, business intelligence or analytics was getting popular from a, a systems perspective. Then I became a part of this whole journey of um, larger scale system like big data and then machine learning and RPA now. Fundamental perspective, RPA is a robotic process automation, which is, stands for automating the mundane task, what an individual does. So think about it, what 15 or 20 years back manufacturing industry did, where you had these people building the cars by themselves and hardware robots automated their job, wherein the RPA is a software robot which will help you automate your daily mundane task done by the human. So that's why it can make human more smarter compared by having the software robots do their job. So in short, RPA is about reducing the repetitive mundane tasks to be operated and done by software robots. So this all sounds like process automation. And if that's the case, wouldn't it end up taking a lot of people's jobs? So why would people accept RPA? A great point, uh, Sean. And from the surface of it, it does sound like that. But think about this way, right? What makes you wake up in the morning and go to a, a work? I mean, just ask a very basic question. Why are you so excited about this interview? Why are you so excited about any of the other things what you do? What makes you get out of your bed every morning? Oh, excitement to learn, knowledge, new things on the horizon. Perfect. You nailed it. The key thing is a knowledge and new learning is what human psychology would make you excited about. Even my five-year-old kid, right, will not go to school if they continue to repeatedly do the same job, which it means is RPA, robotic process automation, and think of RPA as your friend. An RPA is going to, my mantra of RPA is, let's make today's world in the repetitive task. Most of the people are 70% tactical and 30% analytical. Using RPA, you could flip that switch and you could make people 70% analytical and 30% tactical, which means Use RPA as a smart assistant of yourself who would continue to do your repetitive job and you can make that one fundamental decision which will complete the process. I'll give you a very simple example. Uh, today when we talk to financial analysts or the people who are in the finance department or supply chain department, they do a lot of mundane tasks of reviewing invoices, doing a three-way matching or in the supply chain, they take the invoice receipts and enter them manually and they spend on an average like at least 8 to 10 or 15 hours a week doing that kind of job and it's a very repetitive and error prone job but imagine you have somebody who's an assistant to you who's going to help you fill those information and all you have to do is analytical thinking saying that yes information entered is correct or incorrect and let's say okay just go ahead and submit the data into the transactional system now, by doing this, you're making every job very exciting because now people are thinking and applying a human brain, which is the most precious uh, commodity in the world. Hence, what you're doing is an RPA is going to allow you to be, become more smarter and a, a new learning on a daily basis. So whoever is going to embrace the journey of RPA, it's not that they're going to lose the job, but they are going to take the help of this particular software to make yourself more smarter. So, Sunil, if someone needs a part of their job to be taken over, haven't we forgotten about that job experience that the worker has? I mean, they have seen many different scenarios and situations. Doesn't this human experience 
have a very difficult aspect of it that's difficult to replace by out-of-the-box software? You're right. As we said that you never hire anyone without an experience or you hire somebody with an inexperience, but the expectation is that over the time period, that individual will grow into the experience and that particular person will become more valuable to you. And that's the reason, I mean, you must have heard the word called AI uh, or artificial intelligence. So this is a perfect segue to talk about what IPA is, which is intelligence process automation. If you look at the, the paradigm, there are two parts of paradigm. RPA, which is robotic process automation, is fundamentally a lot more rule-based or the process which is predefined. But IPA is more like a thinking process base, which means if I've got like step one, two, and three, RPAs are great. But if I have a something, a process which is one, two, a thinking step, and three, in that case, the IPA, which is an intelligence process automation, is a candidate. With the invention or with the acceptance of cloud technologies, scale computing, AI is becoming a mainstream. It's no longer something which is think of the past, even though AI, artificial intelligence has been in the industry for the last 20, 25 years. I met a lot of people who've got like more than 40 years of experience and they said, hey, I've done my master's in AI way back in the days and you know now it was not even available for everyone. But due to thanks to the cloud computing, it, it's a very easily accessible uh, so and so forth. Now, if you combine AI, RPA, and AI is your brain part of it, and as you must have heard, it's called machine learning, and it gets smarter over the time. So the combination of AI and RPA, invariably called IPA, intelligence process automation, is an answer to your question that yes, you are absolutely right. If you're trying to build a, a worker, or so to speak in this world of RPA, it's called digital worker. That digital worker needs to have a brain. Using technology, the only way you can implant a brain into any technology is AI, which is artificial intelligence, which is like machine learning or pattern recognition or, or, or computer vision. So a combination of both is the answer to your question that yes, the experience is much needed, but once you build the processes, which is augmented uh, along with the AI plus RPA, they will grow into the experience. So going back a little bit, how is RPA right now being used in industry? Just to give you a little bit of background of RPA, it's a process automation or robotic process automation. And automation is not something which is fairly new. Automation been in the industry since the days we had like a larger computers or IBM mainframes. You can think of automation as a cobbling together a few scripts together and automating a certain part of the task so people don't have to do the repetitive task or the repetitive codes to be run. Now, coming back to the use cases, the questions, what you ask, knowing the history of RPA is a little bit more interesting. So there are quite a few companies today who do RPA and pretty popular on those things with no bias of any individual company, right? So Predictly is a specialized SI uh, system integrator of automation anywhere. They're the leaders in the market. And there's a company called UiPath, Cofax, Blue Prism. The company Blue Prism in 2012 coined the word RPA. They came up with this word and Blue Prism was one of the first companies to go IPO in this whole scenario. The fundamental use cases for RPA today is three areas, finance, supply chain, and HR. But there are a lot more areas. People are becoming very you know, intelligent in terms of automating the processes in a BPO, a business process outsourcing as well. 
But if I give a simple example, in case of finance, simplistic concept called, let's say, ACH or the wire payment. So the way the process today works is once you send an invoice to a company, they would look at the payment due date of the invoice. They'll validate that it's a right invoice and they'll make sure the customer is right and the amount is right. All these things are done humanly today. But a bot can go and do all of it for on your behalf and even submit for the ACH or the wire payment. And somebody from a CFO or a financial analyst can look at all these wire payments and say, yes, good to go. So the process, which could take 40 hours for people to complete, could be done in less than like an hour. And that's a 40x improvement. So finance is a great use case. In case of supply chain, the receipt processing, or in case of uh, PO line closures or purchase order creation, all these are mundane tasks today uh, because there's a lot more inventory matching, a lot more customer matching, a uh, lot more customer validations happens manually today. Those could be done by that. So as we speak today, uh, from an RPA perspective, financial or fintech, supply chain, and HR, uh, these are like some of the good use cases. What questions would a CIO, Chief Information Officer, ask themselves when considering adopting RPA into their company's work system? Great question. And the reason is the RPA is such a new field. It's getting so popular right now. Just to give a little bit of background before I answer this question, the RPA field itself, it's $100 billion. From a services perspective, it's much larger than what people anticipated a few years back. And that's where the opportunities, and that's the reason all CIOs are trying to get onto the bandwagon of this and with no offense of anything, right? But you don't want to be feel left out or it's like FOMO, like fear of missing out. But at the same time, everyone has that whole apprehension of, hey, what is RPA? What are the right questions to ask? Where do I begin from? So what I do is when I talk to a CIO, so I spend a half a day uh, with some of the leadership team because one thing is rest assured that this has to be a top-down approach rather than a bottom-up approach thinking that, hey, you know what, somebody is silo in the information technology or IT organization starts doing something and this will populate pop up. These are very fundamental, basically, the way you think, the way you do the process change. Think of this as a new company culture because RPA brings a new work culture. Because once you bring a digital worker, it's a new work culture for you. You need to start thinking of digital worker as another human being, which you're you know, hiring into their organization. And when you start hiding people into organization, culture becomes more important. So for example, right, the moment you start doing outsourcing, the culture of that country becomes more important. Same way, when you start hiring digital workers, the culture of the digital worker becomes more important. So there are questions which, you know, everyone's mind, am I ready for RPA? Is it the right thing to do? What is the right TCO or what is the right ROI? So some of the questions uh, typically, uh, you know, CIA starts asking is, I've seen People getting a lot more success are the special, the CIO who are already on the bandwagon or journey of digital transformation, because I would call this as a digital revolution, not the transformation, because you're bringing in a different culture altogether into the company. So questions, right questions are asked is, hey, what is the percentage of my workforce is spending time on the repetitive mundane task? How important this repetitive mundane task are? Are they rule-based or are they a lot more thinking-based? I have enough backlog of innovation and I'm strapped on bandwidth. Uh, neither I can hire new more people, but at the same time to edge the competition, I need to outsource some of these things. The moment you start thinking of outsourcing, you are thinking of um, RPA. 
the moment you are strapped in terms of the bandwidth where you say hey you know i've got lot more uh, repetitive mundane tasks this is the right time to think about rpa so those are some of the things which you need to start thinking you had mentioned roi just a moment ago so how could a business use an rpa how would it evaluate the changes and calculate the roi just for everyone's knowledge right roi return on the investment uh, because for me roi is relationship over issues so that's altogether a different topic so roi is return on the investment and a great point what happens is when you bring in a different technology when you bring in a different way of doing the things or when you bring in a different culture altogether into the company right you need to be very sensitive about the roi because it's not something which you can uh, it's like a marriage when you get married right you own up the commitment of it so there are different ways to look at the roi and most of the customers we work with uh, we have some kind of a mandate in terms of at least i have a mandate where if a process is not saving you more than $50000 after implementing an rpa that's not the right process to automate it unless and until the amount what you have spent and if you're not getting 3x to 4x return on investment in 1 to 3 quarters that's not the right investment and how do you calculate the roi it's nothing but just another fundamental of a software part of it which means you need to calculate about the cost of ownership of the new software if you're building it or versus buying it and i think we can just talk a bit more about that in a little bit of the once i answer this question of yours in terms of the roi you need to do the total of ownership which means the cost of the software you need to think about how you're going to support and maintain it do you have enough staff do you need to hire new staff or do you need to bring in a partner so those are some of the calculations you need to bring in in terms of the roi calculation but more importantly from the build perspective either you're going to build it or versus buy it which means build it which means i'm just going to take a technology that could be as simple as java python perl dot net and cobble these scripts together or i'm going to go and hire a platform like automation anywhere blue prism or ui path to do my job and that's also as part of your roi calculation because are you just solving a problem which is today's problem and you don't anticipate anything furthermore and that's when you can take the journey of build but if you want to bring in a platform which would solve not only your today's problem but non anticipated problem which are going to occur in like 3 months 6 months or 2 years from now then you bring in a platform so those are the fundamental things in terms of roi calculation so in case of roi calculation you look at the cost of the software maintenance of the software support of the software cost of the development how much of your resource would be needed and more importantly once after you do all of it the process is ready how much of the bandwidth improvement i can do of my staff which means how more i can make it the process efficient what is going to be the cost of error so for example in case of a three way matching if a human makes an error and if it's a half a million dollar ach payment and if it goes wrong it will be wrong where a machine will not make that mistake because machine is the dumbest thing you have ever invented because you have trained the machine to be smarter that means the bot you are going to make is going to be trained to do the job what you are telling it so those are some of the things you need to anticipate and keep in mind when you are doing the roi calculation there is one thing you had mentioned that i think would give the audience an insight tell us about what roi means to you cuz i heard it there and i'm not sure if everyone caught it <laughs> shan you caught me so roi for me is a relationship over issues i heard it from a 
one of the leaders at Cisco. I practice on a daily basis and it helps me in my personal life as well as my professional life. And what it means is the issues which are occurring right now, are they blown up or are they big enough for me to let the relationship go? Which means if I am working with a customer and the customer is very demanding and unreasonable, I'm just going to calculate the issues that, okay, is this issue big enough for me to that relationship go? So simplistic example, in case of marriage, if there are husband and wife, and if the husband did not wash the dishes one evening, would they let the marriage go? If the husband is cheating on a wife, would you let the marriage go? So that's the concept. So I do the same thing in my professional life as well, or with my employees or my partners or with all my investors. If the issues are too tiny and the issues are going to be there all the time in your life, are these issues worth let go your relationship? And if they are not, that's an ROI. That's a relationship over issues. Sunil, we've already talked about it, but could we go into a little bit more detail about how artificial intelligence works with robotic process automation and information process automation? IPA is intelligence process automation as we speak. You got it right. I mean, so the way I put this conversation in together is think of, let's say, the entire automation world is a nine-piece puzzle. We're just scratching the surface right now. And we have identified two pieces of the puzzle, which is RPA and IPA. We don't even know what those rest of the seven pieces look like. As we talked about, RPA is a repetitive mundane task, rule-based. IPA is a process automation with the intelligence, and that's the reason AI becomes a very important part of the conversation. Now, let's think of this way as, if you take a support mechanism, right? You and I just talked about it a few minutes back. You said, you've got this great system right out here for the interview, and you've got a set of people sitting all together in a different part of the world, helping you out with the support. Now think of those, and you actually invariably, you may not even know those are, are people. Now, if you look at any support mechanics, right, the level one, level two, level three, and level four, those are typically four level of support. Level one is your just knowledge discovery, what we call it, which means if I can type it, and if the machine can understand what you're asking for, and if I fed the information, machine should be able to tell you using artificial intelligence. Even the level two could be some part of the level the similar fashion. My point here is the combination of AI and RPA is nothing but IPA. So the great use cases are like chatbots or your document processes, which means if a supplier, let's say take a company like Ford or take an oil and gas company, they've got 10,000 suppliers. Everyone has a different way of putting the invoices. Now, if you want to intelligently automate invoice processing, every invoice is going to be a different way. But if I can put an or artificial intelligence, then every time you scan an invoice, the software should be able to recognize what kind of invoice it is or what kind of document it is to begin with. Because there are different types of documents. There are, there are legal documents. There are purchase documents. These are invoice documents. Now, using AI, I should be able to classify the document to begin with. Once I classify the document, I should be able to recognize the information because a PO number or invoice number could be right corners, left corner. The software should be able to intelligently do it because today, 
what human does is you lift a piece of paper you look at the paper and you say okay this is an invoice because you are able to read it then you say okay this is the invoice number because you are again able to read the labels as long as the software is able to do that the companies like automation anywhere they've invested very heavily into some of these artificial intelligence part of it which means they call a protocol iq bot they have invested very very heavily into that we support our customers uh you are uh, implementing some of those intelligence processes so that's the so chatbots intelligent way of classifying the documents that's nothing but the ipa piece so the combination of ai and rpa together is nothing but ipa so as i said earlier right rpa's step 1 2 and 3 ipa step 1 2 a thinking process and step 3 based on the decision what is made on step 2 so those are some of the diff- key differentiator between rpa and ipa so with that though it sounds like you need a full team of engineers to attack any of these problems so in this combination of artificial intelligence rpa and ipa is this something that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there startups that they're working on and if so what are some examples that you're seeing as we talked about rpa or automation as an industry north of a, a trillion dollar with 100 billion in uh, potential services revenue it bound to happen that people are going to make the most out of it especially in silicon valley if you if you bucket out any technology there are three buckets or three facets or so to speak i call it what is a corporate part of the world second one is the venture part of the world the third one is the entrepreneurial part of the world and within the entrepreneurial world right you got like two sets of people one is a product route and another one is a services route so the opportunity is so huge that corporates are looking for a pain killer which means they have a problem they want to solve it investors are looking for vitamins which means oh painkillers are readily available uh, off the shelf they're looking for a vitamin which is going to strengthen the the problem statement much better an entrepreneur wants to latch on to that part which uh, what vitamins they can build so that they can get the funding they can attract the venture part of the world what we are seeing right now is if you have followed the market in last year or less than a year there have been more than couple of billion dollars invested into only couple of companies like automation anywhere got north of half a billion dollar from softbank uipath got the similar number of numbers and the valuations were increasing like 3x 4x every few months not even few years which is very very unusual investment cycles at the same time there are a lot more uh, smaller companies uh, investing as well or the building so like a lot of chatbot companies are coming up lot more document scanning companies are coming up in fact in the last uh, y combinator there were a couple of companies they just did a intelligence dot document scan and they were like with no customers their valuations were north of like 12 million or 20 million dollars that's a route in the journey where people are taking right now and the companies like enforces they are investing very heavily to prepare people in this kind of area and that's the reason a company like predictly because more attractive to people uh, the reason is we already have uh, more than 80 people who are been in the in this industry journey for last one year and this is very rarely to find company like this so those are some of the opportunities what i see and that's the reason we believe that the our investment is going to be higher returns over the over the years so stepping back from predictly 
you yourself are also an investor. Could you talk about some of the investments you've made and what you've seen in the space with those investments? So yeah, we've been uh, so as part of the Z Nation Lab, we have done about close to about twenty one investments so far. And I was just reading one of the investment update we I got this morning when I was coming for this interview. So yeah, we latched on IPA or AI plus RPA journey very very early on. So we've got some investments into our portfolio companies called Smartbot, which means a Smart Social or Smartbot, which does an automated level one, level two bot. So you don't need to even hire people. So right now, there are companies who have stopped outsourcing their level one, level two support. Then another company where we have an investment which is helping you automate your foot traffic. So what happens is. Depending upon the different cameras and the different IoT device, it helps you identify the larger foot traffic mapped with the sales, and it will give you at the end of the week your placement at this particular location earned you so much. And if you have the right inventory system or the POS point of sales, you can even come back and tie it back together, saying that okay, yes, this is where my placement is the right way to do it. Earlier, all these things were done by human. Which means somebody had to keep track of you know where the inventory was kept. Somebody had to keep track of what was the sales, and somebody has to do this. And it used to take literally weeks and months before they could realize that the placement of the product is incorrect. And what happens in most of the cases in retail, these are seasonal product. If you are not into the food industry, which means you are, you need, you got to wait for another season and so on and so forth. Some of these things we are automating, and that's the sum of our investment has been. What advice would you have for someone outside of Silicon Valley about things to look for in the future or areas to learn more about? You've been in Silicon Valley, Sean. I mean, you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. In fact, you have a unique platform where you are bringing people in who have been there, done that in the past. And just correct me here because I would like to take your opinion as well on this: that Silicon Valley is all about persistence, perseverance, and a belief. Once you know that this is the right thing, you got to believe in yourself. But more importantly, you should be ready to put your billion-dollar idea on fire. And when I say literally on fire, which means either you go all in, and if you are halfway through and you decide or you figure out that this is not the right idea, you should have a stronger heart to can it. Do not get emotional with an idea. You need to be honest to yourself. You need to be honest to your investors. You need to be persistent about what you want to do, and more importantly, you need to believe in something. If you do not believe in something, it's never going to happen. And the more important thing is the team. I believe RPA and IPA is the thing for the current. But the future is even brighter because, as I said, we are just scratching the surface. We don't even know, and that's the reason our main focus has been investment into AI and RPA, and that's what we've been looking for the companies, and that's why I invest into particularly. That's why you know I am building as a founder this particular company. Would you like to talk a little bit more about Predictly and what you are able to offer? As the name suggests, Predictly, it's very interesting that. I was having conversation with a friend of mine, and I said, "Hey, you know what? I'm starting a company." And said, "What would be the name of the company?" And I said, "Predictly." And he said, "Yes, I'm going to give you work." And I said, "You don't even know what I'm going to do." I said, "No, the Predictly 
itself, the name itself says something related to analytics because that's my forte, something related to machine learning and something related to protection. And I said, how do you make it happen? How do you know that? They said the name itself sounds that. So as the name suggests, predictly is prediction likely, which means P-R-E-D-I-K-L-Y. So we are hosted on predictly.com. We do three things very well, which I believe is the need of the hour and the future as well. We do a lot of product engineering on cloud. We do AI services. So predictly, one of my portfolio company called Hotify got acquired by one of the larger companies called Sonasoft. It's an OTC listed company. So we're building our own cloud on Hotify technology. So predictly has its own AI cloud. So we do a lot of AI services plus RPA. And we are an exclusive partner with uh, Automation Anywhere. We have an exclusivity to an extent that we are the, one of the largest partners who contributed on their bot store. And we are one of the very few partners in the world who have center of excellence. So that's kind of a thing. So we do product engineering on cloud. We do a lot of AI services and we do a lot of RPA. And we focus on oil and gas, fintech and healthcare and internet companies. These are a set of our customers what we deal with today in transportation. And with everything we covered, was there anything missing? Any last piece of information we should cover around this topic of RPA, IPA, AI? The field is so huge and vast, right? If somebody out there trying to look for a career change or trying to look for something more meaningful in terms of the growth plan, Invest your time on AI and RPA because the beauty of RPA is it's an extension to your existing systems, which means all you have to do is whatever the existing systems are, you need to integrate with the newer software. More importantly, this is a field going to last for the next few more years because what happens, every software has a life and this is the beginning of a new life. So RPA is must to do. But more importantly, this is not a fad. If not, you want to change, at least get educated on this. And this is going to be the, the thing of the future. Fantastic. And Sunil, what is the best way for anyone at home to find out more information about you or contact you? People do reach out to me and I'm part of Forbes Technology Council. I write for Forbes.com. So if you Google Sunil Ranka Forbes, you'll land on my Forbes Technology page. Or they can send out an email. If it's an investment email, they can send out to email at S Ranka, which is S is in Sam R A N K A at znationlab.com. Z as in Z N A T I O N S L A B dot com and Sunil S U N I L at predictly P R E D I K L Y dot com. You can connect me on LinkedIn as well, Sunil Ranka. We will have all those in the show notes. And I also want to thank Alisa Yu from Anchor Taiwan, who actually made the introduction. I guess you guys met in Taiwan, is that correct? Uh, I met her when I was invited by the government of Taiwan to speak at one of the events in Silicon Valley, and she was one of the speakers as well. So yeah, thanks, Alicia, for making this introduction. So once again, Sunil Ranka, thank you for your time today. And we want to thank everyone for listening and look forward to giving you more information with some of the most amazing people here in Silicon Valley next week. Thank you, Sean, for the time this morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. To access our resources, visit us at thesiliconvalleypodcast.com and follow our host on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Sean Flynn SV. 
This show is for entertainment purposes only and is licensed by the Investors Podcast Network. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.